0: KK warned us about this on Friday. A Colorado low is expected to make its way through southern Manitoba midweek. So we get the details on that and talk about what this could mean for our flood season. Jim Toth joined us to give us a weekend recap. What an exciting weekend it was in the world of sport, particularly from the Winnipeg Jets, who exploded for 12 goals in two games. We answered the important question, Did the T-Rex have lips? And since camping reservations began today, we asked you to share with us some of your fun or perhaps not so fun camping adventures. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Monday, April 3rd podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Lots of ground to cover in this first segment. The sounds of the game coming up at 6-11. we got to tell you about a big announcement. There's a mystery awaiting to be solved in the city of Winnipeg. But before all that, let's say welcome back to Loren as we head into a bit of a deja vu week. Approaching Good
1: Friday. Oh. You reminded me yesterday I'd forgotten all I think it's like you bury bad things, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And and there are far worse things in life than a spring storm. I get it. But I was sending you guys all these alerts yesterday saying, Oh, we had another storm coming and we'll get more into that with Environment Canada joining us in our next segment. But Then you reminded me, oh, remember last year with the spring storm? We ended up working Good Friday because we got hit so hard and uh, we wanted to keep our listeners informed. And I thought, please, no, let it not be a system like that, Greg, because that was days long of of pain.
2: I'm just choosing to ignore it. (laughs) I had one of our listeners reach out on Twitter last night, Greg. We need that Winnipeg storm shield desperately later on this week. And I I believe that we can now will it to happen but uh we'll find out for sure what our chances are of getting hammered here it looks it looks as though it's going to be uh more snow than we could uh, possibly want need or even imagine it's not going to be 40 or 50 centimeters but uh it's going to be in the double digits as well but there is warm weather on the horizon we'll ask environment canada about that as well
0: yeah, the, the forecast for the weekend, depending on which weather app you're using, is wildly different environment. Canada calling for like nine degrees on Saturday, whereas the weather network says one. So we'll, uh, I think it was one. We'll, so we'll, we'll figure that out. And of course, let us know what you're seeing on the, the roads. As Skylar was saying, we've got uh, highway number one closed from Saskatchewan to Austin due to blowing <laughs> and packed snow. Number two is closed between the number 21 highway in Saskatchewan. And uh, Highway 7 guy, Marcel, tells us that Highway 7 coming into the city from Toulon is ice-covered and slippery. 67 from 8 to Stonewall, not great either. Trucks are out, though scraping and salting
2: Uh, i saw trucks out this morning one on the perimeter i did just a little bit of a cursory look at the north perimeter between highway 59 and henderson highway just to get a sense of what was going on there if it'd been really bad i might have driven it a little bit further which is counterintuitive loren you want to stay off the highways when they're bad but i did in fact see a manitoba highways truck on the north perimeter heading East, so that was a good sign. And then within the city, I saw two salt and/or sanding trucks out this morning. So uh, crews are out, and they are uh, trying to make driving conditions as good as possible, at least in, in parts of the province.
1: It just depends where you're at, right? And we know I had f- family members that were trying to make their way from Brandon to Winnipeg last night and decided to just stay in Brandon. And just out this morning at uh, six o eight a.m., Brandon school division buses will not be operating outside the city for today. So that's due to poor road conditions. And then in Alexander O'Kelly, Spring Valley schools, they're all closed. And so buses will run inside the city of Brandon, but not outside. And that could be coming our way. I know my kids asked if there'll be a snow day again today. And I just said, no, I barked loudly. No, (laughs) there shall not be. (laughs)
0: Some more details on the weather. Spring break.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You just had had a week off. I I know. There's never enough. We all know that. I mean, come on. When we're on vacation, I'd take another day. One more.
0: Day. Environment Canada <laughs> joins us in our next segment. Heads up that at 8.05, we have a huge show announcement mm-hmm. and tickets to give away, so we will give you those details at 8.05. And just uh, a minute before we do the sounds of the game here, somebody in the city of Winnipeg is holding on to a rather important piece of paper, or I guess maybe digital. I don't know how they might have bought the $60 million Lotto Max ticket on Friday. The
2: last time that that big jackpot went at $50 million, it turned out it was somebody that I grew up with, so... The odds are, if you know me, you won. Somebody that knows me won. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I have had so many text messages from my friends across Canada, even a couple in the States. Did you buy a ticket? I didn't have a ticket even on Friday to check. So normally I would have one. So uh, congratulations. I suspect that whoever has that winning ticket, probably heading to a lawyer today
1: oh i saw someone tweet yesterday something to the effect of uh to my long-lost estranged relative who won the ticket i look forward to seeing you this easter <laughs> you know suddenly your best friends again right yeah
2: be very nice very nice to everybody over the next couple of days
0: It's Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. The good news after a frigid March, warmer temperatures are on the horizon. The bad news, as Greg was just saying, we have to get through another spring storm. Shannon Moody is a meteorologist with Environment Canada joining us live on this Monday. Shannon, good morning. Good morning. So, Kathy, as Greg mentioned, Kathy sort of told us on Friday that a Colorado low was coming. What is heading our way
3: yeah, so it's been really tricky because um, cause obviously the system hasn't even developed yet. It will be developing through the day. So we've really been relying on uh, the computer weather models. And they've been all over the place with this system. So some of them had us like completely missing uh, Manitoba. Others had us right into it. Um, so, when, unfortunately, I do not have good news that they have uh, started to converge on a, a, an agreement. Um, but it does look like the Red River Valley and southeastern Manitoba are set to get hit by the system.
1: So we often talk about the storm shield that kind of bears, keeps Winnipeg from getting the brunt of it. Does it sound like or look like right now to you, Shannon, given what you're seeing, that it'll be largely south of Winnipeg or or, or, or will Winnipeg see some snow?
3: So currently, it is looking like Winnipeg will be in it. Uh, We are more so on the edge of it. But it is really looking like the entire Rotor River Valley. And certainly, like southeastern Manitoba is going to get hit the worst. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I do certainly wish that I had better news. But it does look like Winnipeg will get hit with snow and strong winds with the system. How much snow, Shannon, do we know? Well, right now we're looking at about 15 to 25 centimetres, so Winnipeg would be more into the the 15 centimetre range and southeastern Manitoba would be more into the 25 centimetre range. Um, Obviously, that's not going to drop all at once. Uh, We're looking in Winnipeg specifically for the snow to start uh, Tuesday evening, uh, maybe late afternoon, evening, and then it's really going to be quite heavy uh, overnight on Tuesday and into Wednesday morning, and then gradually through the day on Wednesday and Wednesday overnight, you'll see the snow taper off um, but definitely like you know Tuesday night and Wednesday morning looks to be the worst strong northerly winds with that which will uh, certainly cause some reduced visibilities and blowing snow.
2: Yeah that's uh, that was our next question for you Shannon it's one thing to get the snow but if you get the wind as well right that's where we get the issues uh, typically that impact our our day-to-day lives uh, so that wind could kick things up and then will that be for the entire duration of the snow event?
3: Um, yeah, I, like, again, it does look to be worse uh, Tuesday night and into Wednesday. Um, but, yeah, we are getting those winds with the snow uh, through the duration of the snow. So it's it's going to certainly be really unpleasant. And the snow that we're looking at is just that, like, the the perfect type of snow that blows really well. So it's, it's definitely looking like it'll be nasty.
0: Shannon Moody, meteorologist with Environment Canada, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate the time. You're welcome. And Environment Canada, by the way, calling for nine degrees on both Saturday and Sunday. So potentially some good stuff coming after this. And uh, let us know what you may have experienced yesterday or what you're experiencing on the roads this morning, because there was a snowfall warning in effect for LaSalle yesterday afternoon. Like that's right outside the city of Winnipeg. So I don't know. What did you get? Smackling McGarry and McNabb, as Skyler Peters has been telling you in Global News, big day for Manitoba campers. Revamped Provincial Parks Reservation System starts... It's inaugural journey today. Several days of reservations kick off online. All cabins, yurts, and group use areas will open for booking today. And then on Wednesday, campsite reservation for all western and northern regional parks open, including Mississippi, Clearwater, Duck Mountain, Spruce Woods, and many more. So, with that in mind, we want to talk camping stories at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win the tickets that we are going to announce just after 8 o'clock, big show coming to Winnipeg. So let's go around the horn here. Loren McNabb, why don't we start with you?
1: Okay, I camped when I was a kid, loved it. We used to go to Child's Lake often in the Duck Mountains. Obviously, I like to get up to Clear Lake, we know that. My in-laws are really big campers. But I uh, haven't, my favorite camping story happened just when my husband and I, got together we decided to go camping and I don't know why I lied and said like I love it like I'm good at it I get it and I'm not like I like to go but I don't want to do any of the setup or the tear down for any of it and so he had all this gear and it was the best because he was just good to go he was super organized and what I loved about it was he would he bought me a hammock would set up the hammock and would bring over my I think I've told us before find a stump in the forest that would be aptly named my Caesar stump and uh, I would just lay in my hammock and have a Caesar and watch the setup unfold while I read a book and that to me people is camping <laughs> okay Caesar stump hammock and a fire there you go and not have
2: to touch uh, any of the tent poles or anything right. to do that, with getting uh, set up that sounds like that sounds like a great time for the, whoever you're with
1: the tent setup is the funniest thing I remember going to Banff just last summer and my brother like he had to go for a walk he's like I gotta I gotta go for a walk we like, had to leave. The tent set up because we were all getting so mad at each other that he's like had to excuse himself <laughs> from the campsite before he murdered one of us, I think.
0: <laughs> ah, good times. Caesar stump. Here we go. Derek Taylor in for Cameron Poitras on sports. What about you, sir?
4: So I'm not a big camper, but uh, the the one thing I learned in my camping time is... If you're taking your pet, make sure you know how they will be around, one, the campfire, or two, if you say, try to zip them up in the tent while you (laughs) attempt to get in the car and drive to go get supplies. Uh, my wife and I went camping many years ago. We put Nellie in the tent. Nellie was like a 45-pound border collie, Aussie Shepherd. Uh, we were, got in the car to drive off. She was not having it. She just about busted that thing. The tent almost tipped over because she was pushing so hard on the netted opening, watching us drive away. So just know what your dog is is going to do before you take it camping. Why wouldn't you just bring the dog with you? I honestly I don't remember why, but we thought it was prudent to leave Nellie within this. Maybe we were going to the lake and we didn't want to take. Her. I don't I don't know what it was, but we left her at the campsite <laughs> and uh, she won that one. We did not leave without her. <laughs> that's, really- uh, that's good. Skyler Peters. What about you? Uh, I have a I
5: have quite a few. The the best ones, though, are from when I was very young. Like, we have a cabin now. We didn't always have one. Uh, so back in the day, we used to, you know, go around southern Manitoba, did Minnedosa, Clear Lake, all that stuff a million times. Um, and, like, I swear this is, like, my first memory that has stuck in my brain and has stayed there, even though I've killed so many brain cells in the 25 years since, is <laughs> um, being bathed by my mom in like a little tub, like a like a dish pit tub. If you ever worked in a restaurant, you know you like bust yes. your tables, and like it was that big. So I was that small, um, and I do like I remember that like on like top of a table uh, outside our little bon air tent trailer, and the tent trailer is the undisputed king of of trailers. I don't need no 40 foot toy hauler. Mm-hmm. I don't want a couch, you know, with like a recliner in my camp. I'm camping. You know, the tent trailer is the best. You get a hard roof. You get to, you know, stay out of the elements. You're off the ground, but it still feels like a tent. So uh, that's my memory. Nice. How old would that, do you think you would have been? I was probably like two. I got to be like two How or younger. do you remember that? that? Well, I don't remember much from like, you know, anything under five, but I just, I vividly remember that. And my mom reminds me once in a while wow. too, so that helps. <laughs>
2: What?
4: Remember when I washed you in the dish tub? Yeah, yeah. She
5: she likes to embarrass. Uh, embarrass oh, nothing embarrassing one,
0: so. about that.
1: That's cute. Or humble me, I Both say. my kids were washed in dish tubs. I get it, Skylar. It's like it's an easy way to keep them clean. Yeah, why not?
0: If it works, it works.
2: Absolutely, Mackling. What about you? If you had one of those forty foot campers, I don't think you'd uh, complain, Skylar. Well, yeah, and I don't, so I can't. (laughs) That's right. So (laughs) until you experience it, you know, I I think you'd take it if you you could do it. We camped a ton when I was a kid, but when my mom and dad were were, were married in particular, we would do massive trips out to the West Coast. And uh, we would, when we lived in Brandon, we would camp all around Brandon, but the I was trying to find it on the map here, the exact location near Gibson's, BC, uh, up on the Sunshine Coast, north of Vancouver. And we had one campsite for one night that was so spectacular. It was Creekside. And we were walking distance to the ocean. I can remember having a fire on the ocean. You could see the lights of Nanaimo across the way on Vancouver Island. And it was just, you know how you have those nights that define your youth and and memories of of being little? That was the night. And then the next day trying to pack that pup tent back into the bag. (laughs) Yeah, that was a lot of fun too. Not in any way, but yeah, that, uh, that, that, sunshine coast and some of the camping possibilities out West are simply spectacular with all due respect to all the amazing
0: camping we have here in Manitoba. Forte, what about you?
6: Oh, it was about 10 years ago. Uh, when camped with my friends and, uh, me and my buddy, we decided that, you know, he has a tent, so we're going to use his tent. So I go out there and, uh, setting up the tent. I'm like, where's the fly? Like the flies, the top of the tent that protects you from the rain. Yeah. He didn't bring it. He didn't have it. So the second, well, the first night wasn't bad, you know. It didn't rain, but the second night did. And so I was like, screw this. I'm sleeping in my car. Uh-huh. And I drove a little two-door Chevy Cobalt. And so I decided to sleep in the back seat, which is so cramped. I'm a small guy, but it was still so cramped back there. I fell asleep. Well, the next morning, I wake up, my friend's knocking on my window, and I was like, ah, what, what, what? Woke up and I just was so hot. I got, what was it, heat heat stroke? Oh, jeez. Oh, no. I was sick for two days. I remember coming into work two days later and Toth was like, dude, you look like crap. I'm like, I got heat stroke, man. I'm down and out. I'm down and out. So
4: you, th- yeah. you thought you were going to stay dry, but I gallons just... of your own perspiration foiled
0: that. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're going to talk golf in a moment. What could we do with golf courses within the city of Winnipeg? But before that, Loren, are we off and running for booking camping?
1: We are off and running. we got a new camping reservation system, so it opens for yurts today. Uh, Wednesday is the bigger day when it opens to different parks. Then, of course, we have the staggered offerings throughout the week. I am... Happy to report that it seems to be working well. In that there was no issues to get in, and unlike last year, you might recall the old system, Greg, that had that dotted line. Like you, you would be like this little body in this curving line where you'd slowly move your way forward. And it was sort of agonizing to watch it move. Now it just pushes you in. It tells me how many users are in line ahead of me. So I started off at 7 o'clock with 4,500 people ahead of me. Now there's just 1,500. I'm going to guess a whole, a whole lot of people just bowed out because for Yurts, for example, I think there's just eight provincial parks that have them. So my odds of getting one now I think are are nil. But I've got one minute to go so I'll keep you posted. Maybe Ooh. I'll just have to stop talking.
2: Joe said that uh, he got in right away and he had 6,350 people in oh. front of him, and at seven hundred one twenty-nine, he was told that he had 13 minutes to wait. So that's nice when you get, at least get an idea of how long you can anticipate hanging out online in the line. Did he get a sight? Not
0: yet.
1: Joe, where are we going? Maybe we can just share <laughs> 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 let us know how it's
0: going for you at 204-780-6868 and by the way a reminder on the weather after global news at eight o'clock we're going to head south grand forks getting more snow what does that mean for our flood outlook and a reminder but just before that at 805 we've got a big 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 show announcement something coming to winnipeg and we do have tickets to give away for that there is not a lot of green grass to be seen in Manitoba these days. And there might not be for a few weeks, given the spring storm that's heading our way. But when the snow melts, you all know I will be one of the first to hit the links. The virtual golf this year has been fun this winter. I've been having a great time with my friends. But, you know, anytime I see a patch of grass, just one patch of grass as I'm walking home or whatever, I'm, the first thing that comes into my head, Loren, is golf. Golf soon?
1: So, the question I have, I've never asked you, is do you ever golf in some of the city owned courses, Brett?
0: Yep. yep. Yeah. I, I like uh, Kildonan Park. Kildonan Park's a fun course, and I've only played at Harborview a couple of times, but that's a great little course uh, for if you're, you know, you want to take your kids out and, and have them learn because it's not a super long course, nine holes, and all the holes are relatively short. But yeah, it's a fun little track.
1: Well, Harborview is actually one of the courses that's on the list that could see some changes coming in our way, depending on what City Hall does with this new report that's in front of it this week. So for years now, we know Winnipeg has been debating what to do with some of our city-owned golf courses like Harborview or the Canoe Club or John Bloomberg because there have been some years, you know, where the courses just aren't getting... In what they're putting out, they might be losing money, and, and there was a city report out just a few years ago that said the golf market in Winnipeg was oversaturated. So the question that's been tossed out over and over again is, what should we do with some of these city-owned or city-run golf courses? And back in 2013, Mayor Sam Kate suggested repurposing them for residential use, and then in the end, it was decided that okay, maybe we'll put just John Bloomberg up for sale. That's out in Henley. That sale never happened. So Greg. Uh, we studied this. <laughs> no surprise a couple of years ago. <laughs> you the city, don't say the city asked an outside firm to come up with a plan oh, to repurpose. Hey? Yes. Hmm. Well, listen, the report's in. They want to look at what to do with up to thirty percent of city owned golf lands. That report goes in front of the standing policy committee this week. and Greg, none of it's binding. It's just a hundred and forty some page report that has recommendations. and there's no dollar figure attached to any of these either. So let's keep that in mind. It's talking about what to do with these courses. There might be natural, Lies vegetation that could be added, like just minor changes, maybe throwing a back nine patio on some. But there's bigger changes proposed for a handful of them.
2: Okay, so I'll read this for you. Uh, for the five courses, the recommendation is to redesign them entirely so that golf would no longer be the main draw or even part of the space at all. Those courses are the Canoe Club, Harborview, St. Boniface, Windsor, and John Bloomberg. For the Canoe Club, the recommendation is that much of it could be turned into an off-leash dog park. Tennis courts could also be added as well as space uh, for Frisbee golf. For Harborview, they're talking active transportation trails. And for John Bloomberg, there are all sorts of options listed, like keeping it the same, leasing some of it to the softball park, or just selling the entire thing. So, you know... I've often said uh, Sam Cates had something. A lot of people didn't like the idea. I'd, I'd, I know one of his ideas was to sell part of a parking lot near the zoo and uh, convert that to condominiums as a way to generate some revenue in order to help pay for Assiniboine Park. And I've often thought that, you know, along Lagermodier, you've got that some of that frontage. On Harbour View, maybe it would make sense to just take a small portion of that park and turn it into some revenue generating in order to improve the park itself. And, you know, Harbour View, Brett, you outlined the use of that golf course perfectly. I would hate to see that go away altogether. I think it's important to have those facilities available for families. But look at what they've done at Crescent Drive. That's that's where Thermia is. And so sometimes you can combine these activities successfully. I would love to see Kildonan Park maybe become the best nine-hole golf course anywhere and redevelop some of the property there because it's incredibly valuable. So I am completely open to some of these ideas, Loren, uh, ideas that... Probably 20 years ago, 30-something-year-old Greg Mackling would have said, are you kidding me? This is what you want to do with our parks and golf courses? I have completely done a 180 on my thoughts on that.
1: I'm going to suggest they turn some into campgrounds because I will not be camping in a yurt. <laughs> this summer but in the meantime oh, I think have you been shut out loren <laughs> not yet but i'm i've i'm I'm, just only sort of curious to see how it goes i could go to assissippi i think in one weekend but anyway i digress i think what's good about this is the idea behind it it's just that what gets done with this and the hard part about a report like this is again the dollar finger attached so we're talking about it because some of these courses have been losing money or at least costing the city more than they'd like them to cost so to pool so to all sorts of other things they cost money to run.
2: They're a service. They're a service.
1: That's what they are. And so they're providing something for city patrons to use the same as a park. I just think, do we need to study it anymore? Or can we just go ahead and start doing some of this? Like how much to just take one, for example, and try it out as a dog park.
0: It is Mackling McGarry and McNabb. We are asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us a camping story whether it's good or bad, and I guess to let us know as well how you're doing this morning on the reservations uh, because they started this morning for cabins and yurts. Uh, Joe for, oh, yeah, Joe now telling us, um, oh, pardon me, we already mentioned Joe's. Uh, thing, and we're waiting for an update on that. Are you still in, on the the page, loren or have I, you abandoned I, ship?
1: No, I am. And I think I got, I mean, I can't find anything on weekends, so I'm just randomly seeing if I can. You guys, I may or may not be here at a couple random Wednesdays <laughs> okay. in July, but I can go to Spruce Woods. There's a, some availability left, and I'm now, I've always wanted to try, is it Tulabi or Tulabi Falls in opening Um, they have yurts there, so I'm trying to see if there's anything available. I, I found this pretty decent so far certainly better than the old system but one of our listeners says it's a joke they've robert said he just tried booking nothing worked and it was all booked up so maybe it's just where you're booking how you're booking it's still not easy like it, it doesn't seem obvious to me where to go next you know in terms of okay like i've selected now what so i feel like there's still work improvement that could be done but better than before.
2: Well, there's three pieces to this puzzle. It's the reservation system is one thing. Do we have enough resources and camping uh, facilities in the first place? That's a whole other com- conversation and the quality of mm-hmm. the camping uh, in our province as well. So uh, there's there are several layers to this uh, camping conversation.
0: It is Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. In a moment, we're going to talk about $10 a day childcare in Manitoba. And reminder that we have Kelly Moore's Monday Jets commentary at 7.54 today. And then we're going to give away one of our first two prizes of the day before we make a big show announcement at 8.05. And that'll make three prizes for the day. But we're asking you, as camping registrations have begun for things like cabins and yurts, We're asking you to tell us a camping story. So Herb has outlined quite the adventure here. We'll start off with Herb saying I bought a cabin-style tent in Minneapolis in the spring. Now a logical human would have opened the box and have a trial run prior (laughs) to your camping trip. Not me. We worked until 3.30 p.m. on Friday, loaded the truck, and drove out to Falcon Lake.
1: Herb says, found our spot, unloaded the truck at 5.30. I estimated the black fly and mosquito count to be enormous. Why? Well, there was a huge <laughs> thunderstorm barreling towards us. The instructions for the tent setup made an Ikea's instructions book look like a fine-tuned itinerary. The tent instructions read, one, open box. Two, take tent out of box three, set up, tent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the monsoon came and soaked us and the new tent. We needed to use all our towels to dry the inside of the tent, then 45 minutes later, at our last attempt to set up before calling the whole blasted thing off and going to the hotel, we finally got it to stand. Pegged and secured with guide wires with flagging tape for safety, some kid ran through our site unaware yes. <laughs> of the fluorescent flagging tape, gently fluttering from the wire and nearly knocked down our tent. It was our last time camping with a tent. Wow.
0: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm.
0: 204-780-6868. Your camping stories for a chance to win those tickets for the announcement we're making just after 8 o'clock. $10 a day child care began in Manitoba over the weekend, three years ahead of schedule for the federal liberal government's national plan. Here's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau during a visit to Manitoba last month.
4: When we... Moved forward a couple of years ago as a federal government to say we wanted to make $10 childcare a reality right across the country and we were going to work with the provinces to do that, um, we knew that it wasn't enough to just make childcare spaces more affordable. We needed to make sure that they were high quality and that there were more spaces.
1: So Manitoba signed on to this national child care plan two years ago back in 2021. And that's when Ottawa committed 1.2 billion to Manitoba over five years. Premier Heather Stephenson said hitting the milestone early for Manitobans was important for the future of families here. But of course, Greg, before the program even gets off the ground, there are some with questions and concerns about which kids might qualify and when they will have access to this $10 a day care.
2: Melanie cowell Frazier has worked in the child care field for 45 years, 27 of those as director of school age programs. Good morning, Melanie, and thank you for joining us. Good morning. So, before we get to these concerns, can you just lay out some of the parameters for the program? Who qualifies and, and which daycare centers uh, qualify to provide $10 a day daycare?
7: Well, none of mine will because we're school age. And I'm not sure if people realize that school age children do not qualify for the $10 a day daycare. Now, it was outlined that they can apply for subsidy, but out of my 200 children, I think maybe 20 of them are subsidized. So that means that 180 of them will be paying full fees on times like Christmas break, midterm break, and summer. So that's 2080 a day every day about for about 74 days of the year. So school-age kids are not getting a break. And school-age parents have to work all summer because most of them don't work for schools or divisions that close for July and August. So they're being left out of the whole... Ten dollar a day care.
1: So walk me through this because I did not know this and I'm not even sure I'm even getting it now. If I have a kid who's five or under, not in school, they can go year round for ten dollars a day, but it's once they're right. in school. Okay. So then and that, once that
7: means even if you make even if you make three hundred or four hundred or five hundred thousand dollars a year as parents, you still get ten dollar a day daycare.
1: Okay. But if my once my kid goes to school then I'm now being I'm back at the regular price. Would that be the regular price if I put that in quotes?
7: Uh, well, the regular price for before and after for our program is only before and after, so it's eight sixty a day. So technically, that falls beyond, under the ten dollars a day. But for seventy four days of the year, the fees will be twenty dollars and eighty cents because that's summer days, holidays, any day that there's no school.
1: And why? Why is that there a differentiation between these days?
7: Well, I think because the federal money only covered um, 6 and under, and so the, the province itself would have to kick in for the school-age kids in Manitoba like to, to cover that $10 a day. And I, it seems to me that they're not going to be doing that, so the school-age parents out of school-age kids will still need to pay full-price daycare.
0: So is there any way then to, to make everyone happy in a situation like this?
7: I don't, you know what, I don't know. Um, subsidy, they did lower the threshold of subsidy, but you still like $37,000 a year isn't a lot of money, but that's sort of where the subsidy starts for school-age parents. But if they make 30000 they still have to pay $145 a month, like every 20 days for care, and 50000 they would still be at full price of daycare, which is $416 for 20 days. So subsidy isn't going to help much either at this point for them.
2: Yeah, I know that when my, when my twins were in daycare, Melanie, it was a real conversation we had in our house with regard to, you know, my wife made a pretty good living and still does. But when our kids were in daycare and we were paying hundreds of dollars every two weeks for two kids in child care. I think we calculated that she was going even at her very very decent salary. I think she was going to work for about seven bucks an hour. By the time you took care of of the daycare, so uh, economically it was a hor- it was really a horrible decision for us for her to go back to work.
7: It probably, like you know, but now it's ten dollars a day. So now it would be a good decision for people, you know. So except if you have school age kids, and that's part of the problem because. I don't see school-age kids under twelve being any different for childcare than a kid under six, because they can't stay by themselves. Well, that was that
2: was my going to be my next question, Melanie. Do you think with this with this uh, amount being charged, do we already see? Might we see more kids that shouldn't be home alone, uh, staying home alone on days like in-service days and and holiday days?
7: It's possible. I mean, we've always been twenty eighty a day up till now. It's just, you know, it's just and I, I'm not 100 percent sure the parents realize either with school age kids that they're going to still be paying full price. I think that they're under the vice that they're going to be paying the $10 a day. And unfortunately, that's not going to be true.
1: Before we let you go, I, I have to clear this up too. So we're talking about the fact that kids who are at school age will still have to pay for those summer holidays, spring break, in-service days. And then one of our listeners says, you know, they have their kid in a licensed daycare, but they've been told that they don't qualify for the $10 a day care because, or $10 a day coverage because um, their licensed daycare has been given $0 by the province because they are privately run, not provincially run. So are there parameters there as well? There
7: is. Um, I'm not exactly 100% sure on the preschool end, but I, I do know that like a lot of licensed centers, if they don't accept the government funding, are allowed to charge still whatever they want. So, And with child care being such a need, you know, it's not really going to be a fair picture across the board, probably.
0: Thank you very much for joining us this morning to discuss. Uh, Melanie, we appreciate your time.
7: Okay, thank you.
0: It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In a moment, we're going to talk sports with Jim Toth. But a reminder, we're asking you at 204-780-6868, tell us about a camping story. Because registration reservations began this morning for cabins and yurts and more camping to come through the week. What does Jody have to say for a misadventure?
2: Back in 2008, my husband and I bought a nice Eddie Bauer tent on May long weekend because we were going to a rock festival in Oklahoma in July. First couple days of the festival were rainy, but okay. On the Saturday, a tornado hit and ripped our tent to shreds. So we had to sleep in my car for two days. We still went the next year, but with a different tent. And it survived and it's still surviving. Thank you for that harrowing adventure, Jody. Glad everybody's okay. Yeah. Tents yeah.
1: are so much better now than they were. Like when you were kids, did you guys either have those canvas tents that were heavy oh, and yeah. took forever to put Don't up? touch it when it's raining. And then it got wet. Yes, you couldn't be near the wall. Like you had to sort of sit in this. It was just bizarre. A tent now really is, I mean, as, as much as we still fight with this setup, so much simpler.
0: Tell us a story about camping for a chance to win tickets to see Monday Night Raw. Just announced half an hour ago, coming to Canada Life Centre Monday, August 14th. Tickets go on sale. Thursday through Ticketmaster, but there is a pre sale that starts tomorrow morning at 10 and goes until Wednesday night at 10. And the code for that password, once again through Ticketmaster, is RAW. It was a busy and successful weekend, to say the least, for the Winnipeg Jets. Two
2: huge wins on home ice for the Jets this weekend. Brett, Major League Baseball is back, and U.S. College Basketball all on the docket this weekend. Jim toth co-host of Jets at Noon and host of the Jim Toast Show, joins us now. Jimmy, good morning.
8: Good morning, everybody. How are you? Happy Monday.
2: And happy Monday to you. You can think about a camping misadventure or adventure story if we have time. I suspect we won't based on uh, what we're discussing here. But (laughs) (laughs) first of all, let's talk about the Jets. Where did all this offense come from on the weekend? Is it too simple to say changing up of the lines is uh, is to think?
8: Well, I, I think it is a little too simple, but I, I think that's being downplayed as well. Um, there were some major moves in that lineup, and a lot of people say, like, well, hold off on calling Rick Bonus a genius for putting the lines together that he did. But uh, but I'll counter that: there is some pressure on this team right now, and and to to have believe in your your lineup and to roll it out against a Detroit team who played the night before, it would have been very easy for Rick Bonus to keep things together. And I know they lost in San Jose, and I know they didn't score a goal. And I know they were shut out and I know they've run that same lineup out uh, time and time again and been disappointed. But, you know, with seven games to go on Friday night, you kind of go with what got you there. And so when he changed those lineups and especially asking the team's number one center and Mark Shifley to go to the wing and play a different position and him being okay with that um i think it is a bit of a genius move now i don't think that's what turned things around on friday and saturday or sunday against new jersey what turned it around in my mind is the team finally played with some energy and pace and that's what they need to do this is a team that found success from the start of the year using their forecheck and going north south hockey and not overpassing and not trying to create more than what's there taking what's given to you and their skill comes to the forefront and I think that's what is, is the main difference, is this team with the new lineup has finally started once again to play with some pace and energy. And when they do that, their skill comes out. And I think that was a major difference on the, the two games on the weekend. They scored 12 goals in two games, and 11 of them came five on five. And that's from the forecheck going with some energy and some pace and speeding up their own game.
1: So it's nice to look back at those wins, Jim, but we have to look ahead because there's only a few games left. So Nashville will finally catch up to the Jets uh, when they play tonight in Dallas and Vegas tomorrow night. They've got two games behind us right now. Calgary rallied to beat Anaheim, and they're here Wednesday. So these are basically playoff games that it's come down to. And I don't think anybody wanted it to come down to the wire like this, but here we are. So set us up for the week in terms of what we're looking for.
8: Yeah, and quite honestly, it shouldn't have come down to this, but this is where they are, and and so uh, these are massive games, and and who knew that a Wednesday night game against the Calgary Flames in the first week of April would would be the biggest game of the year? But it is the biggest game of the year. Calgary's going to play Chicago the night before. There's a chance it could come in tied with the Jets um, going forward, and you just mentioned Nashville's situation with two games prior to that Wednesday night game, and then they're here on the weekend, so. Um, It is a massive game, but it's also a game that I think is winnable given the weekend. I think if you can sort of keep things going here and keep the pace that you had, I can't imagine them changing the lineup back, and and I think that they should be a a team that plays with that and and scores some goals. This team has an amazing record. I think they have four losses in regulation and 30-some wins when they score three or more goals, and they, they put up 12 with only one of them coming on the man advantage. The power play is still struggling but struggling to score it looks a million times better than it has prior to this weekend as well because of the quick moving puck and the energy that the team seems to be playing with again and maybe loren that's why the team has found this maybe this is back up against the wall we need to get some wins our lineup has changed we're doing some things that we we have never been asked to do and mark shifley moving to the wing save for part of a game in minnesota this year and and they galvanize themselves and go, we, we've got to do something. Blake Wheeler has found the fountain of youth the past two games. And the first game on Friday, I could see from a veteran like that. But the second one yesterday against New Jersey, um, I, I don't know how to explain it other than the fact that they kind of want this. We had Brett Hedigan on a Stanley Cup champion. He's the Sharks TV analyst now. And he said... Blake Wheeler at 36 can still do this. I was in the best shape of my life at 36. Mark Shifley at 30 is in his prime. What they have to do, guys like that, is make a decision. And it's decision time this week. And I thought of that on the weekend when I was watching those two play and the rest of the team. You have to make a decision. Everything that's gone on to this part is done with if you make a decision to take a step forward, galvanize this team, and get playing better. And I thought they both did that on the weekend.
0: Now let's switch gears from hockey to basketball because the NCAA basketball championships on tap over the weekend. The men's championship goes tonight. The women's final was the talk of social media yesterday. Television viewership was through the roof. The numbers for yesterday's game aren't out yet, but the two semifinal games for the women were record setters because ESPN revealed that the 2023 women's final four was its most viewed edition of the NCAA Division I women's college basketball semifinal across ESPN platforms in recorded history. Uh, They say that uh, the two NCAA tournament semifinal games averaged 4.5 million viewers. That's up 66% from last season's Final Four games. So is this a potential turning point for women's sports on TV?
8: Well, I hope it is, Brett, because I've been watching it for a while. I always watch the women's Final Four. I don't watch the tournament like I do the men's tournament, but I've always watched, going back to my high school days when I played basketball, I would always show up early and watch our girls' team play. Um, I think it's phenomenal, and it's phenomenal because the talent is at an all-time high, but also there's some parity in in women's national basketball right now in the NCAA. Uh, UConn has 11 titles. They're usually around. South Carolina State is the defending champion, and everybody thought they would run through it. And little upstart Iowa comes through with the player of the year and the most outstanding player in the country, I think, in Caitlin Clark. But then there's the rivalries that started up. I couldn't believe some of the trash talking that was going on, the pointing of the ring finger, the waving of the hand like you can't see me in each other's faces. Um, I don't think it's very sportsmanlike, like or women-like or sports uh, uh, courtesy uh, Courtesyness is what I'm trying to say towards each other. I don't like watching it, but that builds rivalries and that builds viewers, right? Like we all know when teams don't like each other and it's visible and they don't get along that people are going to tune in. So the basketball itself is phenomenal. The talent on some of these players is unbelievable. And then you add in the fact that for the the final four, anyway, there was a lot of trash talking. They didn't get along. They didn't like each other. There were some dirty elbows being thrown and it just got into one of the best fi- female final fours I have ever seen. So. I hope it does spark more interest in it. I hope it does get more national coverage. Um, It's much like our national hockey program. When they go to major tournaments, you know, it's on national TV in prime time, like the Olympics – but it needs to be on more. I, I think that, you know, oftentimes mm-hmm. when there's five sports channels and we're watching uh, four of the same game on one, give it some exposure because the the best thing you can do is have a great product to sell it. It's a, it's a three-hour commercial, and the women's NCAA tournament had that this weekend.
2: Yeah, my boys uh, both said that they uh, enjoyed the access and the ability to watch the tournament this year. Jim, I was going to ask you about the MLB, but we need to get out here. Let's wrap up real quick. Corey Connors, his second ever PGA tournament win on his way to the Masters in Augusta this week. Gets underway Thursday. Uh, That's supposed to be a true sign of spring, but how exciting is that for Connors and Canadian golf? Uh, Give us 60 seconds on that.
8: Yeah, it's outstanding. and I appreciate you giving me 60 seconds on this. I have a story of back when I was doing the CDOB Sports Show years ago and Kyle Connors was not even on the tour yet and an up-and-coming Canadian golfer and he was going to come on my show or on the sports show. And his wife called and said um, he just had his wisdom teeth out at 10 a.m. He's okay. This was about three in the afternoon. He'll still do it, but he's kind of incoherent but we would love to have the exposure on. And I said, if he had surgery, it's fine. We'll have him on another time. Don't worry about it. But my story is that's the kind of guy he is. Um, And he's he's well revered on the tournament as one of the nicest guys, too. He's always willing to be out there. So it's always great when Canadians win. But uh, I don't know, Corey. I never did get him on, actually. Somebody else had him on. I was on holidays when he joined the show. Um, but I, I think that uh, he's one of the, the great Canadian stories. It's so good that he's won there twice, but the second tour win, and it really propels him. Lost in his second win for, for non-golf fans is he's been in the top 10 a ton this year, and when you're in the top 10, you always have a shot, and we all know that the, the biggest shot is taken this upcoming weekend at the Masters. Jim
0: Toth, he's co-host of Jets at Noon and host of the Jim Toth Show, weekdays from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. on 680 CJOB. Jim, thank you very much. Thank you all. Have a good day. 847 with Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. In a moment, we have tickets to give away for the Winnipeg Home and Garden Show at RBC Convention Center, April 13th to the 16th. And by the way, we're listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Where are they playing this week?
2: Thursday in Fargo. And so as far as I can tell, this is the first stop on the tour it's sort of an odd tour. It's almost like a little, some warm up shows for their summer. So that might be the good news is that they might get there a couple of days ahead of this storm. But if you have tickets to the show, are you going to be braving I-29 and you know, the chances of it being closed, we know are pretty good when there's a snow event? So go now that could Please be, now. <laughs> you know what? That's a great piece of advice, Loren.
1: Just take the, take the week. For the concert. <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. i got to <laughs> take a
2: few days off. Uh, what, what for? I don't want to miss the Red Hot Chili
0: Peppers. <laughs> i got to get there way
1: early.
2: Sounds reasonable to me.
0: Yep, for sure. Not often you get to see the Chili Peppers. It is Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. We gave away tickets for the Winnipeg Home and Garden Show at RBC Convention Center, which is happening April 13th to the 16th. Jeff Fortier, who won those tickets? Michael Tim. Michael Tim, congratulations. We got tickets to give away for that stuff all week long. And tickets for the just announced this morning, Monday Night Raw, WWE coming back to Winnipeg on August 14th. And we're asking you to tell us a camping story like Steve... It says about 1983, my girlfriend and I went camping in a tent, poured all weekend long, and our tent flooded as we were in a low spot. It was raining too hard to pack everything up, so we went to the store. We bought a Dear Abby book, and we sat in our tent on the cooler, reading it, to each other as we drank beer, and when it finally stopped raining in the morning, we packed up and we always said, if we can survive that weekend, we can survive anything, and we will be celebrating 36 years of marriage this summer. Aw,
2: the equivalent of putting IKEA furniture together. If you can survive that, your relationship has a crack, has a chance.
0: So 204-780-6868, last chance, tell us a camping story for a chance to win, and we're going to pick a winner in our next segment. In the meantime, I think it's safe to say... Many kids go through some sort of a dinosaur phase, but even adults are often fixated with the prehistoric creatures.
1: Yeah, you might be in a family or just someone who's gone out to Morden, which is home to the Fossil Discovery Center. You might have been to Drumheller in Alberta, or even just on a trip to the movies to watch the latest uh, incarnation of the Jurassic Park series. I think dinosaurs fascinate all of us. And so, Greg, it's had me thinking this morning whether or not what I think I know about dinosaurs falls into that last category in that I learned about them or thought I was learning about them through the movies.
2: Well, listen, uh, I don't know about you, but I learned very quickly as my boys were growing up that the names of a lot of the dinosaurs have changed Mm -hmm. over the last several decades. We've been to Morton. We've been to Drumheller. Amazing experiences. And like the T-Rex, when you picture it, you likely think of its giant teeth. Well, a new study suggests that predatory dinosaurs such as Tyrannosaurus Rex did not have permanently exposed teeth as depicted in films such as Jurassic Park, but instead had scaly, lizard like lips covering and sealing their mouths. How do they know this? Well, let's find out. We'll ask our next guest, Kristen Brink, Associate Pro- Professor of Paleontology at the University of Manitoba, joins us now. Kristen, good morning. Hi there. So what did you and other researchers uh, decide or why did you decide to look into this teeth versus lips?
9: Yeah, well, I I guess like you just said, watching movies like Jurassic Park, we'd always wondered why the uh, people who worked on that movie decided to show the T-Rex with the teeth exposed when the mouth was closed. But the smaller dinosaurs like the velociraptors, uh, when their mouths were closed, you couldn't see their teeth at all. Um, And one reason that people did that is because they thought the T-Rex teeth were too big to actually fit in the mouth and to be covered by a kind of a scaly lip. Um, So we were sitting around trying to, you know, figure out this was uh, back when I was a graduate student at the University of Toronto. Um, So myself and my co-authors were thinking, you know, how can we actually test this hypothesis using actual data? Um, So we collected a bunch of measurements from living uh, lizards and crocodilians and uh, realized that actually looking at the proportions of the teeth, they're not too big to have been covered by a scaly lip. Um, So that was one line of evidence that we used to say that uh, actually, no, they probably did look more like a lizard with these scaly lips uh, rather than having the teeth exposed.
0: So kirsten, with with this information or with this knowledge, like what what then can you do with this information?
9: Um, I guess like the the first thing is um, just basically taking a dinosaur, which is often displayed in pop culture and the media as this big, scary monster. And when we actually think of it, it was actually you know a real living animal. And um, we're using actual biological data to interpret what it, what it looked like. So we're, you know, taking it out of this big scary movie monster kind of persona and, uh, you know, showing everyone that these were real animals.
1: What's fascinating about what you've done here is the fascination with it. You know, I was looking this morning, Kirsten, and saw the T-Rex had lips headline was in the Smithsonian, and it was at CNN, and it was in the National Geographic. And there's mm-hmm. just that widespread interest. No matter how many millions of years have passed, <laughs> what what's captivating people still to this day, do you think?
9: Yeah. Oh, well, I think, it, you know, partly like... Because of the way that they're portrayed in the media, there's, dinosaurs are so intriguing to everyone as this, you know, picture of a past world that we don't have anymore. Um, and especially for kids, like um, an interest in dinosaurs is actually uh, one of the first fields of science that kids are exposed to, you know, trying to figure out what an animal looks like when you only have its bones left over. That's actually, you know, a, a, you know testing a hypothesis and uh, trying to figure out how we can answer these scientific questions. So I think it's, uh, it's a really great way to draw people into science.
2: I couldn't agree with you more, Kirsten, because that that was sort of my first uh, love was dinosaurs and all these things now that we've learned over the last five decades or so. Why have the names changed of some of these dinosaurs? Why was I caught off guard (laughs) between my my 20s and my my 40s when I started reading books with my, my kids and going, that's not what they were called when we were kids?
9: Yeah, well, that all goes down to there's a, a set of rules um, that biologists follow when they're naming animals. So when they're assigning uh, like these Latin binomial names, like Tyrannosaurus rex, to a particular animal, there's a, a set of rules. So whatever name is given first in the scientific literature usually has priority. Um, but then if people come along and re-examine the bones. Um, and realize, oh, actually the first person was wrong, then they might actually change the name um, if they find enough differences between all the bones in order to say, oh, this is a different species.
0: Kirsten Brink, Assistant Professor of Paleontology at the University of Manitoba. Before we let you go, I guess we kind of got to ask, when you see movies like Jurassic World, do you just kind of sit back and laugh and think, well, that's stupid. They they don't know what they're talking about here.
9: (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I have to turn off the scientific part of my brain and just kind of get lost in the story, which I, I think is, is what we're all trying to do when we go to the movies. Okay, so then the age-old question now,
1: would you like to see a Jurassic Park for real?
9: Um. Yes. Yeah. As long as I can work out all the security, I think that would be great.
1: A <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: uh, uh, Kirsten Brink, assistant professor of paleontology at the University of Manitoba. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always fun to talk about dinosaurs, so we appreciate yes. your time.
9: Oh, thank you very much.
0: Nine fourteen with Mackling and McGarry. Oh, I gotta double check this, but I think Jurassic World Dominion is now available on Crave. Uh. It's either available <laughs> now or it's coming in the next few days. Might be April fifteenth. I can't quite remember. Yeah, I saw that. What the happened ads. in
1: that one? Like the dinosaurs took over again, or yeah, what?
0: Oh, they, they were they there? They were loose out in the world. They I, oh. out an aircraft. I never did see it, so I got to watch that. That's <laughs> the on. The pterodactyl,
2: which is not called a pterodactyl, I think uses its beak to sort of uh, what? What would you call it? Um, can opener? <laughs> a big airplane to get inside. Oh boy! Uh, yeah, yeah, it looks great.
0: It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We are asking you this morning, since camping reservations are open today for cabas and yurts, and then more camping reservations will be available on Wednesday, just tell us a camping story for a chance to win tickets for Monday Night Raw. WWE coming back to Winnipeg on August 14th at Canada Life Centre. And this was a tough one. Almost basically had to flip a coin on this, but there can be only one. One of our runners-up, Loren, is Don P.
1: So Don says, I would like to regale you with the following mishaps on a camping trip some time ago. My wife had gone away for a week and decided to take her two kids to St. Malo for the weekend with our tent trailer. All packed and ready to go, we started down the back lane and ran out of gas. Half hour later, we're on our way again. Got to the site, got set up. Our son, playing in the car, accidentally locked the keys in the car. Oh boy. Well, after getting the door open with the coat hanger, things went well. That night, the three of us were asleep in the trailer when our daughter... Threw up on her and my sleeping bag. Cleaned up, finally, back to sleep. Saturday morning, I'm making pancakes. Our son comes rushing back to the campsite on his bike, crying. He had fallen and scraped his knees badly. In the confusion, pancake mixture got spilled all over. After I calmed him down a bit, we had to rush off to saint pierre Jolie for medical care. After all that, we still had a great time and returned home on Sunday. But I never went camping without my wife. Again. <laughs> One
2: of my boys ended up at the Selkirk Hospital the last time I went camping alone with them as well, Don. So uh, uh, welcome to the club. 1992, this is our winner, Brett. Yep, give her. 1992, my wife and I were heading out on our honeymoon, a camping adventure with the main destination being the Grand Canyon. My wife is an organization goddess and every destination laid out and everything packed, ready to go. Everything except the tent, which I said was my manly responsibility. We packed up our 1974 VW Beetle and headed out. We got to our first stop in South Dakota late at night. The campgrounds were empty. We had one of those old canvas Arabian-style tents. I unpacked the tent, discovered the main tee that joins all the poles to the top of the tent was missing. We found the only tree in a wide open field and tied the tent up. The only place we could we were awoken by a thunderstorm and the lightning storm knowing that being under a tree in a lightning storm was a bad idea we ended up sleeping not sleeping in the vw to this day i'm reminded of that
0: night every time we do go camping congratulations doug you're going on monday night raw we've got more tickets to give away through the rest of the week on 680 cjob